0: I'm back in the room. So, how many of you? Hey, what did I start? It's great that we love to talk. So, how many of you got a, a simple, what I call a British response of, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay? You got a story? How many of you did get a, an in depth analysis of how somebody is actually doing? Yeah, not many. Okay. So for all the things I love about our British culture, our Britannisms, I've become increasingly aware that actually they don't always line up with, with a biblical culture and what the Bible calls us to. Um, we often refer to, to the kingdom of God, the kingdom we're called to live in, as an upside-down kingdom because we see such a tension between uh, our Western uh, culture that is that we see and and live in every day and yet when we come to to the bible when we come to the example of jesus and his teaching uh, for us uh, we just see a bit of a, a tension if anyone's playing bingo i'll probably use the word tension quite a lot in my preach um steven nathan who i um, meet with fortnightly just to do some theological uh reading and questioning that tends to be my biggest buzzword so keep an eye out for it this morning. <clears throat> so I used to be surprised when uh, I realised that my natural instinct, my gut response to a situation or a circumstance turned out to be contrary to that of, um, of what the Bible tells us. Um, and the more time I've spent with Jesus, the more time I've spent reading the Bible, I'm not so surprised anymore that I, I recognise that in me. Um, and the, the way I'm called to live uh, is, in, in fact, different to the way the world would call me to live. Galatians 5 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So I was brought up in a Christian home. I gave my life to Jesus when I was five years old at Stoneley Bible Week, um, and by all accounts, I've been brought up on good Christian foundations. Um, and and yet there is that that underlying difference that I notice um, with with what I do, when I go, the way I act, the way I speak. Um, and, and so what I want us to address this morning is, is some of the defaults we go to, um, some of the, the way we, we think and know in our heart how to act with one another. Um, so so what, what we've found is that as, as I was brought up in, in this Christian home with some great Christian biblical foundations... That the the corruption of a fallen world, a fallen society around us and the schemes of the enemy have caused the way that I live in default to go against what I profess to believe. Um, And that's a problem. But it's a problem that I believe Jesus has the answer to. And Jesus models a solution to. And that's where I want us to focus today. If we can turn to Philippians 2. um, We'll start from the beginning and work through to verse 11. Philippians 2. It was great the uh, prayer Rory uh, prayed out and Dan for you. Just, just some of that, um, that hunger and looking to Jesus, looking to, uh, to the one who does perfect our faith, who really uh, models to us, shows us a better way of living. Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, we thank you for these words, we thank you for your life. Lord, we thank you that all scripture is God-breathed, is good for teaching, it's good to learn from. Please help us today, each one of us, To look to you, to the life you lived, to the way you taught, to the cross, to the resurrection, and to the day that you will return in glory. Help us to see and recognize and remind ourselves that we are to be those who put others before ourselves like you did. Who look to your life as a model and how we then live and interact with one another in how we speak, in how we think, in how we act. Lord Jesus, we bless you and thank you for all that you've done. Lord, how marvellous, how wonderful you are. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one anothering, we're going to look at some one anothering verses today. It's one of those church phrases that we we rarely see used outside of of the church. However, throughout the New Testament, we find 59 um, one anothering passages um, that are all so active and so powerful that the world would really start to notice if we started living them out. These one anothering passages form the backdrop to our cultures series that we did two years ago, that have, we've, we've built on that foundation. They still apply It's part of a generous kingdom culture, which is to shape everything, yeah. who we are together and how we relate and how we grow up as followers of Jesus. One of the kingdom cultures of encouragement that we have, um, a quote from a guy called Steve Alliston. um, (laughs) If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be confident. Encouragement is the good soil that everything else grows from. And then uh, from 1 Thessalonians, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And we are already doing some of this stuff. But i recognised in my own heart and I've recognised as, as we're interacting with one another that we're not always on point, we're not always matching up to the call of God through his, his word to us and the model that Jesus had. So as humans we have a, an innate desire for relationship, an innate desire for community and ultimately for love. We recognise that, don't we? It's how we were created It's not good for man to be alone. As fallen humanity, we've been great at creating distractions, at creating alternatives or replacements of genuine loving relationships. We're quick to spend our time and energy chasing false communities, unrealistic relationships. And we've even managed to to, uh, misunderstand love as lust. Love is patient and kind. It's not self-seeking. Lust, on the contrary, is impatient. It's selfish. It's self seeking. It puts my needs and desires first. It then diminishes and forgets about others. And it plants a seed that leads to destruction in my heart and in others. All of this rooted in pride. I'm not just talking about sexual lust, which is where we kind of default when we hear the words. I'm just talking about sinful desires of wanting after the wrong things, of chasing money, of fame, of power, of uh, just a desire of making ourselves look bigger uh, or better than we are. And what happens when we we do that is that that everyone else falls underneath that. And so we've got a wrong view of ourselves, um, and we need to challenge that. We're to replace this self-interest, this self-sufficiency, this self-reliance and this selfishness, with a selfless and humble reliance on Jesus. He's the one who models uh, through his life the best way to live. Where I try to take control of my finances to make sure that we get through from month to month, where I try to bring up my kids in a way that glorifies God and yet I forget that he's the one who can help me. He gives me strength uh, when I'm feeling weak. He gives me um, courage when I'm feeling like I'm lacking it. He gives me hope when I've lost sight of it. He loves us when we're feeling lonely and isolated. How is it that we can strive after living a godly life in our serving, in our giving, in our worshipping, and you forget him in the process? How, how do we do that? And we try to do it all in our own strength. Jesus' entire life could be defined as selfless. In every moment, he had others in mind. In every act of kindness, forgiveness, healing, every conversation, his very motivation was that the other would be encouraged, would be forgiven, would be set free, that would be healed, they'd be loved. And he taught so that that they could experience life in all its fullness from John 10.10. He came, the very coming down from heaven, the humility he had. He came to uh, give us life, that we would live it in all its fullness. So this morning we're going to look at how this amazing and generous way of living that Jesus modelled around one another as disciples of Jesus impacts the way we Uh, in turn structure our small groups you should have received a a booklet uh, either this morning or last week and we didn't get a chance to to say anything about it you would have received one uh, last week Um, but what we what we want to do this morning is just unpack a bit about why why we have small groups the importance of them why we value them and and what are some of those values Um, and we'll find them rooted in these one anothering passages So in just over a week, the new groups will launch, Um, and so we're asking each one of you, every one of you, to consider um, signing up to a group, but we do want to remind ourselves why we have them. It's hard to get to know people in a crowd. Crowds are great. This morning is great. There's probably about 200 of us in the room. But that only allows for a certain depth of engagement with our relationships with one another. So small groups provide an opportunity for real growth in our one-anothering, in our spiritual maturity, and in our discipleship. It's about so much more than just a structure that we've put in place. It's not about creating hype for the sake of it. It's more than an opportunity to just shake things up a bit. It's more than an opportunity just to force change where you're just settling down and feeling comfortable with those you've been around. It's about more than that. Actually, I quite like the people I've been with over the last year. Um, And we're not about putting a stop to those relationships that are formed. They don't have to stop just because we start a new small group cycle. Rather, we see this as an opportunity to form new friendships, new relationships. But the root uh, of this is that we become more and more like Jesus, that we encourage one another, we share and teach one another um, in our worship, in our Bible knowledge. Um, in our relationships with Jesus, um, that we become more and more like him. So when we made a few changes uh, just over a year ago, uh, Justin had a really helpful picture uh, that we took hold of. Uh, It was was that the small group structure would act as a trellis. Um, Now a trellis supports growth, um, it allows for fruit bearing, it would allow for discipleship. And the great thing about the picture is that the trellis does support and allows plants and flowers to grow. There it is. You'll be pleased to know I cut off the bottom of this picture because there was a. The illustration goes down. You can see some feet and stuff. It's, yeah, it gets a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're not about putting boundaries in place or limits on how we do things. What you actually come to notice is that as you look at a trellis, you don't go, wow, that's a nice trellis. You go, wow, look at that plant. I mean, that plant's not even that exciting. (laughs) Could have been a better picture. But you you do, you look at the fruit, you look at the flowers, you look at the beauty of it, and you go, wow, look at that. You don't go, wow, what a lovely trellis. So one of our aims in this um, is that the the trellis isn't necessarily noticed, but that it provides a, a... a structure and a place for things to grow from, for us to grow from. So we're encouraging you to not only consider where will I best grow, but also where can I best give. And this represents our biblical foundation of valuing and seeking others before ourselves. This is a shift um, that we don't tend to see outside the church, that often we've not found inside the church too. We've been surrounded by a kind of take, 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 me, me, me culture. Um, And that needs to break when we read these scriptures and and realize the humility of Jesus and the humility he calls us to do in valuing others, in seeking others, the needs of others uh, above ourselves. So we're now going to read through the 59 one another in passages. Um, Well, I'm going to read them. It won't take too long. And I'd love what we, what we do actually, we, we believe that the, the word of God um, is, is life-giving, is good for teaching, is good for learning, it's, it's where we hold our value um, and so what, I, what I'd ask you to do just as we, we read through these together, just, just in your heart, open yourself up, um, just, just uh, be ready to expect, Holy Spirit we invite you, please come and speak to us, embed these truths. Help us to understand what it actually means in the, the working out of our day-to-day life, both with one another in this room, in our small groups, but with the world around us as well. Here we go. There should, um, should be a nice nice thing, a, a nice little word cloud that we'll be able to read from. There you go. Please follow <laughs> <laughs> Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, (laughs) be devoted to one another in brotherly love, love one another, honour one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And again, greet one another with a holy kiss. Lots of kissing. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Speak to one another with psalms, with hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. From the verse we read earlier, in humility consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other, bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Ten more. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Please, love one another. (laughs) Yeah, Lord Jesus, we do just offer these up to you. Lord, we've read them, we've heard them. Lord, would we know them from the depths of our heart? Would we be able to recall them in our minds? Lord, help us. We want to live in this way. We want to line up our lives with the way you call us to. Lord, help us to love and encourage one another. Help us to honour one another. Lord, and help us to make the shift from seeing others and valuing others uh, above ourselves. It's often easier... um, to do this stuff in in your your immediate um, in your immediate kind of family life, home life, it's easy to do with with those you really do love. We're called to love one another as a church. We're called to love one another, both in and outside the church. Show love. This love is the the sacrificial love that Jesus had for us that took him to the cross. That meant that he laid down his life for us. It's that same love that we are to love one another with a really sacrificial love that means that I would lay down my life for each and every one of you. I remember as a child, I was brought up to serve others before myself, great parenting. If I wanted a biscuit, not only did I have to ask nicely, say please, I also had to offer everyone else in the room a biscuit before I myself could have one. Same with drinks, if you want a tea or coffee or a glass of squash, you ask everyone else. And if you know anything about my family, <laughs> that's not an easy task. <laughs> you do start to question whether you actually even want a biscuit. <laughs> All joking aside, these principles have, have become a foundation for me. It even affects the way I, I live and, and the way I set the table. I will always lay cutlery for other people before I lay my own. I'll always pour drinks for others, even if I'm in the kitchen on my own. I'll pour other people's tea first. And then I'll make my own. So it it has embedded in me, that teaching, that great parenting. Thank you, mum and dad. (laughs) So what was it that caused me to subconsciously serve others before myself? Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not perfect at this. I don't always do it. But I do know when I'm not doing it. Um, I'm aware in my conscience, in my heart, when that doesn't happen. So how did I learn it? My parents told me again and again. The Bible tells us again and again. And again. <laughs> and my parents modelled it. They would also serve others before themselves. They would value others before themselves. Jesus modelled it for us in the most amazing and beautiful way. And so what actually happened um, when, I, when I started to do this, even outside the home, um, I used to hear parents talking to my parents, saying what, what, what a polite and well-mannered child I was, <laughs> and shockingly, it was my parents who got the thanks for it. <laughs> <clears throat> Shouldn't it be that way, though? We give God the glory, even when we're, we're living in such a way that, that really does wow people. If, if we start living in this way, it's going to affect people outside the church. It's going to represent and show the love of God. The truth of Jesus and who he was. People are going to ask questions if you actually do this stuff. And like I said before, we we are doing it. This isn't a completely, come on, you're not doing this. We are doing this, but we've got more, I think. (coughs) And I recognize it in my own heart. And so the parallel does come. Our relationship and longing to serve others to love others, firstly comes out of a relationship with God, an understanding of his generosity to me, to us, but also that he calls us to obey what he said. Those one anothering passages were commands, they're, they're written there for you to take note, for you to do. So they're not just a good idea. <laughs> they're not based on whether we feel like it, but from a deliberate choice to love because as disciples... I know that I have first been loved. We have first been loved. But what we'll start to recognize is that it starts to affect others around us, within the church and outside the church. It pleases God. It will be pleasing to others. It will be pleasing to your friends. And it's out of an understanding that the most generous man to walk this earth gave the most generous gift he could, which was his life. And then the callers we read earlier to have the same mindset as Christ. We are to have the same mind as Christ had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now if Jesus was just a man, just a good man, even a perfect man, this would be quite something. Maybe I could be so bold as to say, Joe, who being in very nature human, did not consider equality with other humans something to be used to his own advantage. But he wasn't just a man. He was and is the God-man. He is in very nature God, and yet he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it's by having the same mindset that took Jesus to the cross that we can then live a generous life with one another. When we struggle with others, we look to Jesus. When we're hurting because of others, we look to Jesus. When we're looking to be generous with one another in our time, with what we have, we look at how Jesus modelled that and we ourselves take that mind and put it on ourselves. When we spend time in prayer, in the Word of God, in the Bible... In the presence of our Father, we find ourselves filling up our lungs so that what then comes out is God-breathed, it's inspired, it's generous, it's full of life and encouragement. We start to look, to love, and to act a lot like Jesus. If, like me, you're recognizing a few misalignments with how I'm living now and the call of the Bible, it's not too late. In fact, it's time. It's now. Time to change time to align our minds with that of Christ's. Jesus was one who was generous with all he had. He's the one who stopped. He's the one who turned around for the individual. He wasn't interested in the masses. He was aware that real lasting gospel impact is best done with small groups of people, with individuals where you're able to spend time talking, sharing life together. Now, of course, he is interested in the masses. He's interested in each and every one of us, if we would be called a mass. (laughs) But he realized that the working out and the the way the gospel works well is through living life, through sharing life together, through being examples of it. So if, like me, you, you recognize the persistent pull to individualism, to doing things yourself, in your own strength, and yet when you do, you find it hard, you find it draining, you find it unfruitful, just trying to be more like Jesus. It's because Jesus calls us to partnership, partnership with him, with his Holy Spirit, partnership with one another, two are better than one, and in this ever-changing, disengaged climate, it's our key relationships with one another that really matter the most, We will mature as Christians, as disciples, as we align with these truths, as we let them become the default setting for life together in the local church. When there is so much change going on, we can quickly become consumed by the what and the how, but these one another's show us that who we are together through the process is far more important. These one-anothers form the foundation of our small groups. The foundation for discipleship. The foundation for how we relate to one another. How we interact with one another. How we love one another. How we forgive one another. How we encourage one another. How we honour one another. How we accept one another. How we serve one another. How we are kind and compassionate to one another. So in your new small group, over this next year, you are committing to living out these one-anothering passages. As you sign up for one, you are committing to joining in, even when you don't fancy it, because you're mistaken if you think it's all about you. We're asking you to consider joining a small group, both for your own growth, but also for how you can help others, how you can encourage and build up one another. We refuse together to conform to a take culture, we first give because the greatest gift we've been given, we first love because he first loved us. But one, one last thing, we, we need to make sure we're right with one another. There's a lot of talk throughout the Bible on forgiveness. The pinnacle of our salvation hinges on forgiveness. If we are to really go for this, then we need to be brutal in cutting out unforgiveness, brutal in burning seeds of discouragement, We watch and guard what is in our hearts and in our minds because it ends up coming out of our mouths, coming out of how we act and how we are with one another. We're to speak and act full of love, in humility and in peace. But he doesn't deserve it. But you don't know what she's like. But you have no idea how much that hurt. But, but... But God demonstrates his love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still living our own way, while we were still following the way of the world that leads to destruction, Christ died for us. Right now, I think it would be great to take a, a short moment of repentance to seek forgiveness and to forgive enough is enough this can't go on whether it's been days or whether it's been years unforgiveness not only destroys the relationship involved it becomes a barrier to other relationships and ultimately in our relationship with God there's a very real warning in the verses following the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6 it says for if you forgive Give other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others of their sins your father will not forgive your sins can we just take a moment together on your own if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of some unforgiveness has identified something now's the time to forgive now's the time to seek forgiveness of others and to bring reconciliation. Lord Jesus, we look to you again. We thank you for what you did on the cross, what was achieved. Lord, on that cross, that as we come to you and ask forgiveness for the sin that we were so tangled in, that would have led to death. Lord, you were so open, so humble, you were so caring of us, that you would accept us. Lord, that you would accept our ask for forgiveness. Lord, how could we even think that we can go on living with unforgiveness in our hearts? How could we even think that, no, I'm not forgiving them, I'm not ready yet. Lord, you're so ready to forgive. You model this so well. Help us. Lord, where you've identified this in our own hearts, Lord, help us come to forgive Help us come to restoration. Lord, so that we can live this life in all the fullness that you intended for us. Lord, both now and for eternity. Lord, we're not going to wait till the day we die. And and that, that moment comes where we walk into an eternal place free from sin. Free from unforgiveness. Lord, we decide today to make right to reconcile, to rebuild, to restore. Lord, you are the restorer. You can restore all things. You will restore all things. Lord, but we ask you today, come and be with us. Help us in this, Lord. Humble us, soften our hearts. Lord, will we be receiving of others? Lord, thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us. Lord, the joy and the freedom that we, we get to walk in as followers of you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I would encourage you, if there's some reconciliation to be had, um, please go and seek that out. Work out what that, what that actually looks like. Um, if you need to talk to others, that's what we're here for. We're to encourage, we're to teach, we're to, to uh, honour and to forgive one another. So just lastly, some values about small group life um, as we look to launch our new groups uh, from the week next Monday. Um, Here's here's some of the things we're going for. Number one, to have a small group system that isn't complicated. (laughs) Isn't complicated for anyone. Team, leaders, new people. The only complication should be for the office admin. (laughs) number two to have a small group set up where everyone 100% of us signs up where people actually want to take part to come along to help themselves and others to grow doesn't matter who you are to have small groups where life change and discipleship take place by all of us Growing up in and out in love for Jesus, one another, and for the lost. Number four, to reposition ourselves so that our groups have a healthy and instinctive desire to push out into our unchurched community. Number five, to have small groups that naturally develop leadership through simple mentoring and enable us to reproduce more groups at the end of the season. Number six, to have small groups that fit with our church vision to be an increasingly diverse church equipped to impact this local community and beyond where we love Jesus, where we love one another, where we love the lost. And to see those ideas living and growing and pioneering fruitfully throughout our small group communities. And number seven, for small groups to be places where our core kingdom cultures are cultivated and multiplied in the atmosphere of loving discipleship. We're looking for a culture of encouragement, a culture of kingdom courage, of love and acceptance, of aspirational leadership, a culture of honour, of generosity, and of joy and freedom. These form our goals for this next small group launch. We've had a first year working this through, and we go again this year. We'd love you all to take part. We'd love you all to sign up. Please think about it. Grab a, grab a booklet if you haven't yet. You can sign up online. Or we've got some paper sign-up sheets. For those who love a bit of paper. <laughs> Lovecrawley.co.uk forward slash small hyphen groups. Hyphen's the right thing. I usually say dash. Let's go for it. Please do consider it. So we've made a few few adjustments from last year. We've got some new groups. We've got some other groups that have stopped. It's an exciting time for us. It's a time for growth as a church. It's a time where over this last year, we've seen more people coming in. And so we're wanting to engage. We're wanting to commit to loving and sharing lives with one another. It's so much more than a meeting and please feel free, it is, not, it is not a legalistic thing that you must do. We want a, a real desire in each of you. Our encouragement to you is join a small group. It will do you good, you'll do other people good. So we've got the same big God, we've got the same huge vision for this church, for this town. All of this behind our small groups. Amen. Amen. Any questions on any of this, come and grab me. We'd encourage you to talk to the small group leaders. um, Find out a bit more about them. Find out about how the group will. We've only got a very short paragraph next to each. So if you've got any questions, please do go and talk to them. Talk to the mentors. They're wonderful people. They'd love to talk to you. Amen. Okay, we've got like one minute to go, which in Pentecostal time means we've got loads of time. Perhaps if you get maybe one one song to it to end on a high. Is, is that okay? Is that okay? Sorry, the Pentecostal.